Hi, welcome to Break Time with Brakeman. My name is Beverly Brakeman, and I'm the director of UAW Region 9A, and I'm super excited to be here with two of our newest members, Chanel Jordan, who is the volunteer and program coordinator with the New York Legal Assistance Group, and Leah Wisso, who is a senior staff attorney in the Immigrant Protection Unit. NILAG um, just ratified a contract. 86% of their members turned out to vote, and of that, 98% of them voted yes. So it's a huge victory. It's uh, over 200 um, uh, workers in the unit, and we're so excited to welcome them to Region 9A. So um, I'm going to stop talking and turn it over to, I guess, Leah to talk a little bit about why you all wanted to join a union and what it's been like and what you won. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, um, thanks for having us. Uh, it's really great to get to share the good news with everybody and to be a part of, um, as you were telling us before we started, you know, such a diverse region in the union. Um, I think for me, that gets into it. Of I, you know, always knew I wanted to do public interest law as an attorney, but didn't even know that public interest attorneys could be in a union. Um, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually, prior to being at NILAG, I was at a private foundation that was one of the first private foundation staffs to unionize around the time after I left. And that was really my first time of feeling like, oh, right, like, we can also stand up for ourselves as staff to make sure that we have the resources we need to be able to do the good work that we want to do. So that was my biggest motivation in getting involved in the organizing process and then bargaining at NILAG was knowing that I'm really strongly committed to my clients, committed to the work that NILAG does, but just due to the nature of nonprofits, it's so volatile with funding and, you know, grant contracts and all of these things that it can feel so precarious at the same time. So knowing that we now have, you know, protections that we're, our, our work is recognized is really, really great. Yeah. You have a very strong local union, Jared Trujillo, Brett Taylor, Beth Hoffmeister, Emily, you have great leaders. Chanel, how about you? What were some of the reasons you um, really wanted to, to have a union there? Yeah. Go into that fight. Yeah, of course. So I, <laughs> I was going to say new to the world because um, I recently graduated last May. So I had the experience in undergraduate of recognizing the fight that some of the professors at my alma mater were facing in terms of unionizing and also fighting for their rights, not only just for themselves, but also for students and being in an organizing space like that as well. And I think I was a little, I was a little wet behind the ears because I thought coming into a nonprofit organization that things would be a little bit better and that that fight might be a little bit easier um, in terms of unionizing, uh, in terms of fighting for basic rights for your employees. So I thought, okay, great, we're gonna be able to do this. I was a little bit apprehensive at first because I didn't want it to be another institution that might act as a system of oppression. But I think working with the amazing people that I've been working with, it's been a really great empowerment for not just attorney staff, but also for non-attorneys at our organization. Because um, I do think a lot of times we forget about the work that non-attorney staff, administrative staff do mm -hmm. at legal services organizations. So that was one of the main reasons I wanted us to unionize because I wanted to make sure 
that not only the work of attorneys who have very extreme caseloads and are not being paid enough, um, I also wanted to recognize the work being done by paralegals and other administrative staff who are also taking on the brunt of the work, who are not getting paid as much, who are you know, doing a lot of things and taking a lot of things on themselves and who do not always have um, the basic rights that they need in order to live um, fully successful lives, so. Yeah. yeah, well, and I know I you're, think, yeah, go ahead, Leah. Oh, sorry, yeah, I just wanted to build on that because I think one thing that in terms of the victory that we had with this contract was really most especially getting better compensation and better protections for our admin and non-attorney staff. Um, you know, obviously there were things that I and other staff attorneys wanted and needed and that were important, but we all, as a wall-to-wall organization, recognized that our admin and paralegals and other non-attorney staff were not paid, you know, were very underpaid, weren't, you know, in some cases not getting the same vacation, um, like half the vacation. And even though they were really the people making NILAG run. So um, I think that's the benefit of having the wall-to-wall union is we can really work together to make it overall a more equitable workplace. So I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and you're, I mean, I will say your local union has a really strong track record of doing that at Canva Legal Services, which was before your time. I mean, they held out for, um, to, to raise the, the pay and benefits of their administrative staff in recognition of that work. And really, that's what unions are about, right? You know, sort of um, equity and justice for, for, for everyone. So tell me a little bit about what you won and what, what was the process like? It was, um, it was really hard, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting process just from start to finish because I think, Leah, correct me if I'm wrong, organizing efforts really started in 2018, I believe, when some of our um, members were facing layoffs and they were like, this is not okay. We need to be able to protect ourselves and other employees. So it really started then and it was a long fight to even get recognized, to even like be like, okay, we are officially going to work on a contract. And then even just working on the contract, it felt really long. It was long, it was hard just because we kept hitting a lot of walls um, with our management in terms of being like, we want these basic things and then saying we're on the same page, but then I'm like, are we really on the same page? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. they were on another. So I think it was kind of, that was the hardest thing for me because I would just be like, these are so basic. Like these are, these yeah. are, these should be the foundations of where people are starting. And it was hard to even get that. So I think that was some of the hardest things for me. And I, like I said, coming in, I was a little bit wet behind the ears. So I thought, these were things that should be easy to get, right? And they weren't. So it was kind of a wake up call um, about how hard it is to fight for equity, especially even within nonprofit organizations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's even, it's, I found, I have found it to be even harder because you expect more from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what, so Leah, what are some of the, the sort of concrete things you want? I read a little bit through some of the mm-hmm. things you've got, and one of the things the region is doing is really trying to, um, 
you know, sort of up our game at looking at um, fighting systemic racism through all the tools of our union movement and gender bias and LGBTQ bias. And I saw that you got some pretty good language around training and stuff. So tell me about that. Um, so I won't speak too much to the details of that just because um, I'm not as much of an expert on that. I have to give a shout out to Alex Hu, who was our um, POC caucus representative who really, he did so much work going back and forth with Alexi and with management to really make sure that we got the protections in that we needed. Um, but I know that we'll have continuing representation on NILAG's uh, race equity, diversity and inclusion committee. Uh, there are protections around anti-harassment training so that there's more options for where to report so that if you don't uh, feel comfortable reporting, for instance, to the HR director. There are other options um, and sort mm -hmm. of more due process in following up on things so that um, people will, you know, if they make a complaint or of some kind, they'll have information about what happened with it instead of it just sort of disappearing into the ether or not knowing what happened. And so that those kinds of things, just having more open discussion, more accountability and like you said, more training in that regard, I think are some really big wins. Um, another one that I did wanna shout out that Chanel alluded to that was huge was our new layoff protections. So oh, yeah. as Chanel said, the organizing effort started when there was a significant loss of funding and the majority of one project was just laid off without being given any preference for transfers, even to open positions in units doing similar work. And we really felt like that wasn't fair um, and that people, you know, we all go into this work knowing that we're not going to get paid as much as we might if we went into private practice. Um, and we're sort of making that sacrifice. So sort of then feeling like we could be left out to dry was really frustrating and frankly scary <laughs> to mm -hmm. know. And so we now have... Um, uh, language in our contract that says that if there is a loss of funding that will lead to potentially to layoffs, NILAG has to meet with the union to determine if there are enough open positions and that if there are enough open positions for those staff, uh, they'll have, uh, they'll, people will have a right to transfer into those open positions. And then if there aren't enough open ones, then there will be a set list of criteria that will be for who gets to transfer and who will be laid off. But then also, especially even if there are people laid off, there will be recall rights. So if new positions do open up within the next six months, they'll have a recall right to come back to dialog. So it's something where we really tried to find the balance with mm -hmm. management of saying, we understand that funding, you know, can go away. We're not pretending that it's static, but also that we, you know, need some job security on our end as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we sort of get to the end of this, maybe um, Chanel and Leah could just tell me sort of what, you know, of everything that you did, what was the most meaningful part of the experience or the most meaningful thing that you feel you, you got out of um, the contract? Yeah, I would say the most meaningful thing for me was one, it was being able to connect with 
other staff members that I probably would not have had the opportunity to connect with just because we are a semi-large organization. Um, we are, we reside on two different floors, so we don't always get to interact with each other. Everyone is going about their day-to-day -day lives at work and we don't always have the opportunity to meet with each other so it was a really great opportunity to work with a group of people I might not have had the chance to especially on something that we're all very passionate about but I think um, we've talked about this I think one of the most meaningful things we were able to get within our contract is one and Leah talked about this earlier in terms of our administrative staff they were not on a spec placement they were paid severely um, low wages and it was just unfair for them and we were able to not only get them raises but also to get them on a step placement so that they'll have the same movements um, and step placements as other staff members which is really great and they'll also receive a lot of the same benefits and regarding vacation and everything and then another thing was sabbatical for non-attorney staff. I think that's really awesome for non-attorney staffs to be able to take a sabbatical after a certain number of years, especially if we're talking about retention. We see a lot of turnover within paralegals and non-attorney staff because they decide to go to law school or they decide to continue their employment elsewhere. And I think having the opportunity to say, hey, I'm gonna take six months off or I'm gonna take a year off to study for the LSATs and to get my life together to continue my education and be able to come back and still work or come back and have a job, I think is a really big win for us as well. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Leah? Um, so at least one thing out of the process that was really meaningful was, especially after the pandemic began and we were doing all of our bargaining by Zoom, it was very easy to feel isolated from our membership and sort of feel like it was just us kind of trying to truck this along and, you know, wondering if anybody was paying attention or cared or anything like that, just because we didn't have that ability to be in the office together. Um, but then every time that we organized an action and we had to get creative with our actions while all working remotely. Um, our membership overwhelmingly came out in support vocally for, um, for what we were fighting for, for hazard pay for admins, for you know getting management to really sit down seriously with us and talk about economics. Um, it was, and that was really encouraging because there were times, so it was what, 22 sessions total in about 10 months. Um, it was really easy to start feeling discouraged. And so that was something that really kept me going. Um, but in terms of concrete wins, I'm going to be a bit redundant and just say the layoffs because also we, in the midst of bargaining, were able to prevent the layoff of um, 12 staff members who, due to a loss of funding, they were going to be laid off as of July 1st. So right in the middle of the pandemic. And we were able to get every single person a transfer or get bridge funding to make sure that they were covered if they wanted to stay. So that was, so getting that Huge. in an actual contract was, <laughs> was such a relief and so great to see. Yeah, that's so great. I mean, so I, we should wrap up now, but I really, I want to thank you both for doing this today. And when it's recorded, we'll get it out widely and sort of brag about all of your hard work. But, you know, for me personally, I want to thank you for just, you know, giving me the opportunity to talk to you and remind me 
why I do this work. You know, my job is much more administrative and blah, 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 you know, now. And what really gets me out of bed every morning is remembering the, the, the really important changes that um, being in a union can make in people's lives. And um, so, and welcome to the region. We're so proud to have you as our newest members. It's very exciting. So anything, any last things you want to say to all your friends watching? <laughs> Um, thank you for the support and for the love. Um, I think it's really important that we support each other, especially during the pandemic, but outside of it. And I think a lot of what people have been talking about in terms of returning to normal, I don't think we should return to normal. I think during the pandemic, we've been realizing that there are some basic things that we've been fighting for that are not privileges, they're rights, and we should have them. And I think us working together to continue to fight for them is such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. We're working so hard, even in the midst of it all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to get this done in a pandemic is a huge feat right there. I mean, like talk about creativity and resilience, right? Did you want to add anything, final words to Leah? Uh, no, honestly, Chanel put it so great. I'm just so glad that we were able to all come together. And I also hope that we carry through uh, mm -hmm. into the future, all of the lessons we've learned about, you know, what we deserve and what we can get when we actually work together. Yeah, great. Well, thank you both so much for, for doing this with us today. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thank you.